What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rock Your Brand podcast. Today, we are going to be unpacking an exciting month on Etsy that we just recently had, and that is we broke the 40K mark. And I didn't know if it was going to happen. My wife didn't know if it was going to happen. It was a goal of ours. We wanted to hit 40 and we wanted to beat last year's and we did beat last year's by quite a bit. And this episode, we're going to unpack it. We're going to talk about what we did, what we feel allowed us to be able to do that. And I'm also going to be sharing with you uh, what we call our 10,000 foot overview or view of our business. And really what I did here is I zoomed out, took a look at everything that we've done and uh, kind of wanted to share that with you because I think that uh, it is something for uh, people that are selling and especially now that it's getting even more competitive to being able to uh, to share with you what our strategy is and kind of like what our process is our mindset is as far as when we are looking to build a brand on Etsy. So that's what we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, I have some things I'm going to share with you. Like I said, the numbers, I'm going to share my screen. We're going to go and dive deep into that. Uh, I also have uh, some news on, uh, well, our upcoming workshop, which is going to be happening here very soon. So we'll talk about that a little bit, our one, two, three pod fast track, which I'm super excited about. And I'm also going to be sharing a really interesting business model that is being taught by, I don't know if it's a bunch or if it's just one, but I was told that, uh, well, this is being taught by at least one Etsy guru and, uh, it's the worst advice I've ever heard uh, on uh, on selling on Etsy or just selling in general. So I'm going to share that with you guys here in a little bit. But that is what we're going to be talking about here on the podcast. Chris, are you ready to dive in? I know we've been busy. You and I have been busy putting together uh, a bunch of material for our upcoming workshop. Are you ready to kick this baby off? I am. And I, I have to say, Scott, it's nice to not be looking at a presentation deck for once. Uh, it feels like that's all we've been doing for the last few days. You know, getting this update and understanding this blueprint, the one thing I don't want people to take away from this is that $40,000 number, Scott, can sound like a lot, especially if you're just getting started. But here's the deal. What we're talking about, the things we're sharing in the behind the scenes today, this applies whether you're trying to get to $400, $4,000, $40,000, or $400,000. All that really matters is the scale here. And so if you're just getting started, don't let the number in the title here throw you off. The principles and the things that we're talking about are going to apply regardless. And actually, that's what set the foundation to allow us to get to over $40,000 in 30 days. And just in one month of Q4, and Scott, I know uh, what we're really talking about here is November, but how's December been for us so far now that we're about a month in? Yeah, no, uh, December has been doing better than last year and, uh, we're definitely on track to probably beat last December, which I believe was around 17 or 18,000. So I think we're on track and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's looking like we're, we're tipping upwards. So, um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be the best year. Uh, and I know a lot of people are talking about it being their worst year or seeing a decline in traffic, a decline in sales, uh, I can only speak from what we've experienced right now, and we're not doing anything different as far as what we've been doing over the last two and a half years. Uh, it's pretty much 
sticking to the same plan. Uh, we're not doing anything different other than, uh, well, we are dialing up in a few areas and we'll talk about that here in a second. So yeah, so I think December is going to be better than last December, but uh, I'm just, I'm happy right now that we did what we did so far in Q4 because it's been a record year. So pretty excited about that. I would be curious to know in the comments, if you guys would do me a favor and uh, let us know if you have been selling through this Q4, how are your numbers been? I would, I would love to know that. Are they, uh, well, if you've been selling more than just this year, are they better than last year, worse than last year? Or if this is your first year, how have they been for you? I'm just curious. So if you drop that in the comments, that would be awesome. So Chris, let's just kind of dive in here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to share my screen. And uh, this is what we're looking at, guys. All right. And I'm going to kind of go through this here and just kind of walk through some of these numbers. So the visits, that's basically how many people arrived uh, to our shop was 23,100 visits. We had 1,132 orders. Our conversion rate was 4.9%. And the revenue total was $40,123.34. And I also made a note here that we had a record day that beat last year's record day, which I believe was like $1,664, I think it was. If my memory serves me correctly. Uh, and we had here a $2,780 day, which is pretty awesome. That was uh, pretty surprising. So really, really uh, exciting to see these numbers. Now, one thing my wife reminded me of the other day when I said to her, I go, you know, there's 1,132 orders you had to touch. That's crazy. And she's like, well, actually it's more than that because those are orders. And some of those orders had six or even, I think there was a couple that even had like eight or nine different uh, products that had to be fulfilled for that order. So there's more than 1,132, but you know, she did remind me of that because she's been touching every single order just about. Uh, but yeah, so Chris, what do you what do you see here when you look at these numbers? I know you're the data guy, you're the analytical guy. What what do you see here? So other other than the fact that the graph is higher, which is yeah. always a good thing, yeah. right? It, it's funny to me how closely sales track to the same time period last year, right? Yeah. We're looking at a date by date comparison, and even though Thanksgiving fluctuates by, you know, a calendar day or two, other than that one weird spike that we had last year, what is that, like November 12th, mm -hmm. uh, right there in the middle, where it actually did better than where we did this year, it almost follows the same exact buying trajectory as we saw last year, just yeah. basically 80% yeah. higher, right? 79% yeah, yeah. yeah. higher uh, than it was last year. And that would immediately make me wonder, which I'm sure is what we're going to talk about next. Why? Mm -hmm. What What is different between this year and last year? Is it just that we had more traffic? Is it just that we had a higher conversion rate? Is it just that we had more products to offer? And so we had the same amount of traffic or the same amount of customers, but they had more things to choose from. And looking at it that way is the way that we're then able to backwards engineer this and say, okay, if I want to do 80% or 100% better next year, these are some principles that I can follow. And I know that's what we're going to dive into here uh, shortly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's kind of move on. So I think the, the one that we would probably want to look at is this one right here, because this kind of breaks everything down. How shoppers found you, right? So Etsy says they brought us 76% of our visits and we brought 24% of our visits. Now, 
24% of the visits, not a hundred percent accurate because well, Etsy still gave us those, those, uh, what is it? Uh, 3093 because we paid for those. Those are Etsy ads. Um, so we technically paid for it. So you can say we brought it cause we were like, Hey, we'll pay for it. If you send us some more traffic. Right. So did we bring 24%? Not necessarily. Uh, but we did bring a good amount there, as you can see with the direct and other traffic there. Now, social media, that's expected. We don't do anything on social media. Uh, so it's not really a surprise there, but the direct traffic is. And if you look at the very bottom here, uh, you can see traffic from share and save links, which share and save is something new that they weren't doing last year. And uh, this is all from email. So uh, 1,923 clicks, 55 orders, 2,158, and uh, you saved $86.35 because we drove the traffic. So they give you a 4% discount on your fees. Now, this is actually lower than the month before. The month before, it was a little over $3,000. So the reason why I believe that is the case is because, well, we did a couple of really nice promotions in uh, October which is okay with me because that just means that we got people to buy earlier this year, right? And it's going to show you that we had a lot of stuff happening on Etsy alone that did really well. So only 2,158 of that 40 was, uh, was email for this time period. Now in October, when sales are generally down a little bit for a lot of people, we had an increase because we were able to drive that. So it, it kind of helps in the times that you're not getting that extra traffic or people might not be ready to buy. And by us having the email, it allows us to do that throughout the year, which I really, really love. And we've talked a lot about that here on the channel. Uh, if you guys want more info on the email side of things and the email strategies, definitely check out some of our lives. We'll go ahead and link that up in the description for you guys. All right. So that's kind of the breakdown on everything here. Chris, anything you wanted to speak to here before we move on to Etsy ads? Cause people are all going to want to know, like, how much did you spend on ads? Did you spend $30,000 on ads? What, like how much did you spend, Scott? Uh, we're going to get into that, but yeah, have anything here you wanted to. So touch on? A, a couple of things that really stand out to me here. So first of all, if I'm looking at this report, the two things that I'm looking at immediately are the the 79% decrease in social media traffic, right? As you said, not important for us because we don't do anything on social media. So I can kind of throw that number out. However, if you are doing stuff on social media and you see that giant red down arrow, that would be something to look at. The other thing is that Etsy marketing and SEO section, the bottom one on the left-hand side, if you guys are looking at this, that only increased 4%. And the question that a lot of people will have is, okay, if your Etsy search traffic went up 27%, if your Etsy app and other pages, which I, I should probably dig into the Etsy app because I have a feeling the search traffic in the app would be included in that if it's coming from the app, it would kind of have to be, right? Um, but what is that marketing and SEO tab? That's going to be offsite ads and then any like organic traffic from Google or Bing that came directly to your listing. So that's not something we have any control over. Where we do have control, interestingly, are basically all the categories that went up, right? Etsy ads increased almost 1,200% in terms of traffic. Social media went down because we're not doing anything there. So that's fine with us. Direct and other, that's going to be basically all of the other email traffic that we sent uh, during that time period. That increased 80%. And so when we're looking at this, the traffic we have control over is going up, whether it's directly through something like increasing ad budget, driving that external traffic, 
or somewhat indirectly in terms of getting that solid SEO foundation set up and starting to drive some traffic and sales, we'll naturally see that start to increase. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Yeah, no, I love it. All right, cool. Let's move on. So, all right, Etsy ads. There we go. All right. So we spent $3,799.03 and we brought in $13,448.63. That's a pretty good ROI. And Chris, you probably have that number for the for the uh, the ROI. So uh, we'll let you speak to that here in a second. But 393 orders, 8,905 clicks, and 724,800 views. That's a lot of views. So all of this right here, right, brought in $13,448.63 of the 40,000 that came in. I like that number because here's why. Check this out. The total orders that we had was 1,132, right, of the 40,000, okay? But check this out. 393, we do a little basic math here, 1,132 minus 393. That gives us 739 organic orders. Organic meaning not paid for, all right? So that's pretty good. And we've always talked about this. If we didn't run paid ads, we probably would have received less organic orders, not just the paid orders, but less organic. And the reason why is because we feel that we are getting more sales on those products, which is going to make Etsy want to promote the products organically because they're selling. It doesn't matter how the sale happened. They're going to, they're going to look at the product and see what is the sales, what are the sales conversions and all of that. And then that's going to help us rank higher. So imagine right now you're doing the old fashioned, I'm just going to use SEO and wait for them to rank me. And you're going to wait and I'm selling the same product as you, but I'm paying for ads over here. That's getting me five sales and you've got zero sales. Who are they going to promote? the five sales because I'm getting sales and you're not. So you can wait around. And if you don't have a lot of competition, you might be able to get there. But if you don't have a lot of competition, it's probably not a lot of search traffic either, right? So you want to look at those things when we're running ads and that's kind of what we do. Um, and that's, I think we've really dialed that up more this year than we did last year uh, because we realized that we were getting more serious about building out the brand and seeing 1,132 orders. We look at those as 1,132 customers. And now those people, because we're building a brand with multiple products that they can buy now and new ones in the future, we're good with that, right? Because now we know that we've got a really good uh, base of customers that we know what they want to buy. We know what they're interested in because we are targeting one niche. Um, Chris, anything there before we move on to the, uh, the actual 10,000 foot view overview? A couple of things really fast. So the first thing, the first question I would have looking at this, Scott is what, what is your margin? Because 
$3,800 with $1,300, 13,000, or sorry, 13,500. Let's just round those numbers up in revenue. You know, it's a three and a half, give or take, return on ad spend, mm-hmm. which means we're spending like 30%, right? Mm-hmm. So our margin's higher than 30%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking. Yeah. 100%. So our margin generally, now it's it varies, right? Because if you're selling an item uh, that you're using as maybe a lead uh, you know, generator where it's going to get a lot of traffic. We're getting people in the door. And when we get people in the door, we can sell them more things. Uh, but generally our low end would be 30%. Our high end would be 50%. So if we just kind of met it in the middle and said 40%, I think that would be, uh, what our overall margin would be. So 40% is typical average. Okay. So that means these are then profitable, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the question would be, do we turn it up even more? Like, is this the appropriate level to be running ads for us right now? And that would have me look at two other things. The first thing would be conversion rate. And our conversion rate here is a little bit lower, right? It's about 4.4 if we look at the number of orders divided by Mm -hmm. the number of clicks versus the store-wide average of 4.9. But we also have to remember that we're dragging that way up with the people coming from email. So it's pretty close to on par. So that makes me a very happy camper. And then the only other thing that we would want to keep an eye out for is average order value. And if we do the math there, we're pretty close, you know, whether they're coming from ads, organic or the the email list, right? Ads versus all of the other orders. Yep. We're pretty close in terms of average order value. So to me, this is a win, win, win. Not only are we making money on all 393 of those orders, you know, maybe we lose a dollar or two on one, but that average is out to be fairly profitable for us, but we're also then skyrocketing the organic rankings and bringing in the other 739 organic orders. Yes, they're not all a direct result of that, but a huge portion of those, especially moving forward, will be because we're driving sales, we're driving consistent sales, and we're driving profitable sales. So no reason not to run ads, at least at this level for us next year. Mm -hmm. But if you are looking back at your ads, those are the three questions you're going to want to ask. Did I make money? right? If not, then we need to figure out where that problem is. If yes, did ads perform as well or better as my other traffic? And if yes, did they convert and come in around the same average order value? Because if they're coming in and they're all our lowest dollar values, then maybe that's not the best use of our time, energy, and effort, right? Maybe we take that same amount of money and we invest that into building the email list, but they came out within a few dollars of each other. So for us, Valid traffic strategy moving forward, exactly the same way that we did it. And obviously, as traffic changes, we're going to scale that number basically down because November is the you know the highest period of the year in terms of traffic. But we're able to then take what we learned in Q4 and apply that at scale throughout the rest of the year. January, February is going to be a little bit lower. As we get closer to the summer, it'll be a little bit higher. August, September, beginning of October, it'll be a little bit lower again. And then we start to ramp that up coming into Q4 of 2024. Yeah. The other thing I want to bring up, which I think is something that's overlooked is as you do this over time, you're building momentum. And the one thing, the big, big thing important is we're also out of those 1100 plus orders. How many reviews did we get? How many more people have actually stated that they are happy that they are a five-star, the feedback has been amazing. That right there alone, what is that worth? 
And as you continually grow, competition comes in. They don't have that. You have this. Do you think you have an advantage? Because now that you have these reviews, you're getting the social proof. People are now trusting because they see that you have 500 reviews, 700 reviews, right? That is something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. They're only looking at the sale, the sale, the sale. But what are what is the ripple effect of the sales? And I think that's an important thing to note because, again, everyone's focusing on the sale, just like Etsy ads. People would look at Etsy ads and go, and we've had months where we've spent 1800 and only brought in 3500 But the reason why we continue to do it is because we know the ripple effect. We know the other advantages and the benefits. We know that now those 1,100 orders, those people, some of those people have joined our email list. And now we know that they're going to buy more in the future. So we always hear this on Shark Tank where people talk about, uh, or they talk about, the sharks talk about, you know, the cost of acquisition. You know, it might cost you $10 to acquire a customer once. But then you have that customer. What are you going to do with that customer? That is what you need to ask yourself. If you're just selling one-off products, yeah, it's not going to work. Etsy ads are not going to work and I wouldn't recommend using them. It's going to be a really, really hard uphill battle if you're not using Etsy ads because now it's getting more competitive and the ones that are, are going to be the ones that are going to rank. But the ones that are also creating brands, the ones that are creating multiple products so they can... They don't have to worry about that first sale and that being the one that makes them the most money because they know they're going to be making more over the course and and the, the time that that customer is with you. And that's why we always say, fall in love with your customer. Like literally fall in love with your customer. Make sure that they're happy. Make sure that everything that you're doing is serving them and not just going after the sale or just going after, you know, how do I get them to buy my one-off t-shirt or my mug? That's, you know, the margin on that thing is nothing, right? Because you're competing with everyone else and everyone else is like driving the price down. So a little bit of a rant there, but really important when you're getting a customer, that is a chance to do all of the other things. And one of them is getting that review. And when you get that review, your conversion rates go up from a two to a three to a four. And now all of a sudden the game's changed. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To the to the people, Scott, and I know, I know somebody is streaming this at their phone screen, television, wherever they're watching this right now, is like, okay, that's great for you, but my ROAS on ads isn't that high or like my, you know, my cost is higher than what your cost is in terms of acquiring a customer. And the answer to that is to do what we did all year long, which is one run ads to get the data back. But then you actually have to treat it a little bit like a garden, right? You have to go in and prune back 
the things that aren't working. And if you do that on a consistent basis, just like Aspire to Inspire is doing uh, and said, hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for the value you provide. I took your Ad Accelerator course, which we dive into a lot of how to do this. Uh, and I was able to decrease ad spend by 30, 40% and get an even higher ROAS. And Scott, I think the, the point that a lot of people miss here is that ads are not just a turn on, increase budget, walk away type of a thing. No. Um, I mean, they can be if you are super, super lucky. Uh, but if you are Scott or you're myself, when you go look at those reports, you go, hey, uh, we're getting a two to one ROAS, which is nice, but it's not profitable for us. Why are we spending $500 a month on mug when no one's buying it, right? You go right. and you turn that off and you immediately go from a two to a three ROAS. And then you don't have to worry about that ever again. And if you're going through that process, even 20 minutes, a half an hour a week throughout the course of the year, then when we get into the time of the year where it is the most important, not only because there's more people marketing in Q4, but there's more people buying in Q4, we get to reap the rewards of all mm -hmm. of that 20 minute, half an hour little sessions we had weekly throughout the year by just being able to increase the budget and knowing that Etsy's only going to really spend that on the keywords that have been consistently profitable for us because we've spent a little bit of time every week going through and telling them, don't, don't show for that. Nobody ever buys it. And that way we can have the confidence to say, not only are we going to make sales profitably, but the sales that we make profitably are going to be on the keywords that actually matter for us, which is the thing that drives that flywheel long-term on the organic side. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love everything about that. And it's hard for a lot of times for people to understand the logic when a lot of times people are just going into this thing to create a product, put it up for sale and sell it. Like that's, that's it. And there's actually a story I'm going to share with you guys here shortly that, uh, I was, it was brought to my attention by one of our new students. That's, uh, that's coming into our one, two, three pod fast track and, uh, was telling me that, uh, it's just advice that someone's giving out and it's, it's just bad advice. Uh, that's all I can say. I, I'll share with you guys here in a second what that is. Um, but before we do, let's keep moving on here. Uh, I want to get into the 10,000 foot view so you guys can understand the pieces and the parts and everything that we kind of focus on. And now this doesn't have to be done overnight. This is kind of things that have been built on over time. Uh, but this is really what we, uh, this is what we focus on. So uh, let me go ahead and add that to the screen. If I can, let's go here to not there. Uh, let's go right there. There it is. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so this is what we're looking at. All right. And actually I created this for our upcoming class, uh, which I'll give you more information on that here in a second. But basically this is what we're doing. We're building a brand. All right. We're not chasing trends. We're not out there trying to slap up a hundred or 200 or a thousand different, uh, designs, trying to see what one sticks. We're not playing the lottery. All right. We're following the bread crumbs and the trail to success by building a brand. All right. And using all of the basic brand building stuff that you learn on shows like shark tank, the same principles. Okay. So brand, what does that mean? This is everything that we are doing, okay? Or everything that we work on, all right? And so right here, we're looking at, and Chris, can you see my cursor, okay? You can, okay, good. I can. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so right here, th this is kind of like where we're starting. This is like our starting point. 
And this is, this is kind of like monopoly, right? You know, you have your start. This is our start. Okay. And this is, this is the map and we can get to the end. Okay. Uh, so we have the Etsy shop and it's niche focused. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Scott, what does that mean? Um, we are focusing on one type of person right now. Okay. And that doesn't mean it's just like one super narrow. It's like starting narrow and then it kind of builds out, but it's very related to each other or it's, it's, uh, we call them, uh, shoulder niches or sub niches. Okay. Um, so that's what we do. Okay. So if you think about it, like, uh, if someone walked into Bass Pro Shop, they walk in there, they're not going in there to buy knitting stuff, right? They just, they're not going to find it there. They're, they're walking in there to buy a fishing rod, right? And when they walk in there, they're probably going to see bait and tackle and boats. And you know what? Those people might be into hunting too, because it's kind of related. So they're going to walk over to the hunting aisle, right? So that's what we're talking about. You have to think about people are walking into your shop and now you have multiple things that they can buy. And we can also bolt on some of these other shoulder niches later. All right. So that's kind of what we do. Then what we do is we create products, not one product, multiple products. And then we, yes, we, we SEO them. We, we get them optimized and we follow the same principles that everyone's teaching and everyone is doing right. Good title, good images, good description, good tags, all of that stuff, right? The basics, because we want to get indexed like everyone else. The difference is, is we're going to drive sales with traffic. Okay. Um, so that's what we're doing here. Okay. These are our products. Then from there, the cool thing is, is Etsy has a lot of built-in tools. So inside of, uh, your Etsy account, you can set up some marketing that they give you. And that's what we call our Etsy sales triggers. That's where you can send out an email, uh, or they'll send out an email on your behalf on an action that the customer takes or the potential customer makes. So that's what we do there. We set that up and then that can potentially lead to a sale. All right. The other thing we do is we have a customer email list. And what we do there is we get to follow up with those people and we get to drive them to our products. And then guess what? They turn into sales. So you see like this stuff here, this is all marketing stuff. And that's what I don't see a lot of people focusing on, but that's what we focus on. And the results are, they're, they're showing pretty good. So you might want to, might want to start focusing a little bit on marketing and not just creating a product, putting SEO on it and going on to the next product. Uh, and there's some people that are saying out there, some gurus out there actually that are saying, launch a whole bunch of products, just thousands of products. And, and that's how you're going to do it. You're just going to flood the market with all your products. I don't like that strategy. It's just a, it's a very, uh, a lot of work to hope and pray that you're going to find one. So I don't like that strategy. Anyway, moving on. So that's the marketing side of it. Now, the cool thing is, is when you're driving these sales, all this other stuff happens. It's kind of what we call the Etsy flywheel. We get ranking because we're getting sales. What people don't realize is you can rent. Like I see some people going like, yeah, I'm ranking for my keyword. I'm, I'm on page one and I'm in position two, but I don't have any sales because there's, that's only one small keyword that you might be ranking for. And that might not be the one that's converting to sales. So yippee. All right, great, great. We're on page one. We got the position two, but we got no sales. That's good. No, what we want to do is get sales and we want to, yes, rank for all of the possibilities that we can get found for. And that's going to happen right here. The other thing is like we've mentioned earlier, those Etsy reviews, man, oh man, are they powerful? Cause that's going to help convert to a sale. And then we get Etsy quality score because now Etsy is looking at that internally. They're looking at our shop. They're looking at our feedback. They're looking at our products. 
all of that stuff. And that's going to help us outrank people and get more sales. And then the Etsy seller star rating. That's another little metric there that they give us to outperform other sellers. And that's going to help when we get more sales. So all of this here, these sales helps with this. This here helps to get the sale. So see, it's, it's that flywheel. We just keep that baby fed. We keep marketing, we create good products, and then we get all of the benefits on Etsy. So that's our little our little uh, 10,000 foot view of our business and kind of like what we focus on in the different areas. Uh, so that's really simple. It's not hard, but it does take work and it takes time and it takes patience. All right. Now this is something that we're going to be teaching. So I'll give a little shameless plug here. Uh, we're going to be teaching a class, a workshop uh, that is called the one, two, three pod fast track. If you are interested in joining us, you can go to brandcreators.com forward slash one, two, three. And depending on when you're watching this, it could be open. It could be closed depending on when you are watching this. But if you go there, you'll get the information and, uh, you can take that class. And that is going to take you all the way through every single step in the process that we have done and that we've learned and that we've adapted. And, uh, that's basically everything in that little mind map that I just shared with you. So brandcreators.com forward slash one, two, three, if you want to go through that workshop, or if you just want to get more information about it, Chris, I know you're going to have some things to say about that nice little map that I created and drew up. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, let's, let's go back to that for a second, Scott. I wanted to chat through a few things. So first of all, going to your SEO example, right? You're ranking number two on page one. And I haven't seen the stat recently, but up until a few years ago, it was between 10 and 15% of all searches done on Google have never, ever been done before. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you could rank for a search that no one else has ever constructed? Probably. Sure. Is it useful? Probably not. Right. <laughs> and so if, if we have no sales, but we're seeing ourselves at the, you know, in the, the number one, number two, number five organic position for that keyword, there's a good chance we focused on the wrong keyword. And that I think is the mm -hmm. biggest thing that gets people caught up in Etsy SEO is one, people over SEO, right? So people will come in, they spend hours going through all the different keywords and trying to perfect the, the, the right combination in the right place. I'm not going to say that's the wrong approach because there is some validity to it, but mm -hmm. is it the best use of your time? And the answer is probably not. Right. What we shoot for is kind of more of that Pareto principle, right? The 80-20 rule. What is the kind of the bare minimum thing that we can get done to get us 80% of the way there? And then rather than using the keyword data from Everbee or the keyword data from any of the other tools that you can use to get Etsy keyword data, we use the real world data from Etsy ads and the organic reports that we get out of the Etsy backend to say, hey, we went after the right keyword or we're ranking number two for a keyword and it's not bringing in any traffic or sales, so maybe we missed the mark. But we're going to use the real world data to do that rather than spending hours creating that perfect product listing. We're going to get it to a place where it's good and done rather than perfect. And if we can get it good and done, that gets us most of the way there. And it lets us focus on those two little blue bubbles that you were talking about, which is the customer service and driving traffic with the email list. And if we can get traffic either from Etsy ads or the email list, then even with an 
unoptimized listing, right? Something that gets us 80% of the way there, we can outrank you, right? Because Etsy has the data that they need. Etsy doesn't care about the keywords in your title. Etsy doesn't care about the keywords in description. They don't care about the tags that you have. What Etsy cares about is what happens when they show your listing because you have those things in your listing. And the only thing that Etsy really cares about is if they show your listing, does somebody click on it? And if they click on it, do they buy? And if yeah. we can focus on driving that highly qualified traffic, even if we have um, an okay, not great listing, as long as we have some of those keywords in there, Etsy's going to start to give us a little bit more of a chance. And you have probably seen this in the search results. You go, how does this listing rank for that? It doesn't make any sense. It's in their listing somewhere, tags, description, title, or a combination of those words. And even though it's not the first phrase in their title, because when Etsy shows them, they're getting sales and traffic, Etsy prefers them over your perfectly crafted listing. So I'd like to see, especially moving forward, people focusing more time on driving the traffic and sales and less time focused on the getting every keyword, every tag, every description perfect. Get it to a place where you're including your keywords in a human readable way in your title, in your tags, and in your description, and then get it up, get it launched, and start getting eyeballs on that listing. And if you can do that, then you hit that big green block right in the middle there, that is sales. That creates the flywheel of Etsy ranking, reviews, better quality scores, star seller, all of that. And it gives you the ability to build an email list for free of highly qualified customers who are going to drive more sales for you when you launch more products in the future. And it lets you focus on the customer service, which gets you more reviews and builds lifelong relationships with your customers. Yeah. So this is what I would do. And again, this is just what we have, you know, we've done and we know that it works for us. And we've done this in other brands. We've talked about that before. Uh, you know, we've built other brands. One of them, uh, one of our more recent ones uh, was on Amazon and we leveraged the, uh, the Amazon platform and we were able to build up a business sold over a million dollars worth of products following this very same model. We just plugged this into the Etsy platform. So totally up to you. If you want to go down the road of just chasing trends and throwing up some t-shirts and mugs and kind of following what everyone else is doing, totally fine. That's up to you. I don't believe that that is going to work. I think as we move into 2024, it's going to become even harder. Um, I think we need to see more of this. And not to mention, once you get this kind of up and running, guess what? You can build your own website, your own Shopify store. You can start doing other things outside of just Etsy. And now... You've got an asset that can be sold. We'll talk about that another time. But right now, this is what we're doing to make sure that we have something that uh, is, is turning into a real business and not just a let's slap some stuff up and see if we can get it to sell. All right. So that's just not the model I like to follow. Um, I would take a screenshot of this if uh, you want and uh, go ahead and maybe post it somewhere and uh, just keep it as a reminder of the different areas to focus on. And, uh, it does start with finding that niche though. I will be honest, you know, you, if you don't find the niche, it's, uh, it's going to be real hard. Um, so, and that is something we're going to be covering in our one, two, three pod fast track. Um, I actually go through and pretend as if I was going to start from scratch today, I actually find a niche. I show how to find products that I'm going to launch. I designed products. Uh, I, I went ahead and uh, connected everything, all of the different channels as far as 
Printify and setting up the Etsy shop and like all that stuff. Like we're taking every, every piece of this and breaking it down granular. Um, so this way here, people can learn the way that we've done it and uh, there's no guessing. You can just go ahead and, and implement. So yes. Uh, oh, and will the course cover design aspect? Yes, there is some, some design in there. I'm actually going to be creating a, a separate video, uh, outside of just the main workshop, because I realized after I was doing the design part of it, uh, I wanted to show more. So I am going to be creating another tutorial showing how I created the designs in a little bit more detail. Um, so that will be there as well. If you guys are interested in joining us in that, Go on over to brandcreators.com forward slash one, two, three, and uh, you can grab a ticket and you can join. And uh, depending on when you're watching this, it might be open. It might not. We are going to be opening it, teaching it, and then we're going to be uh, really editing it and bringing it into a, or making it into a, a full course. Um, and right now uh, you can get access to the live training, depending on when you're watching this. So head on over there. You can get all the details. All right. So. Let's do this, Chris. I want to share something that, uh, well, someone brought to my attention. All right. And, uh, well, here's, uh, let me, let me just kind of share the story with you. So I received an email the other day from one of our new students and she basically told me, Scott, I can't wait to follow this business model of building a brand because I've been following and hearing, and she didn't mention the name, but a certain guru that is giving some advice that absolutely shocked me. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Like I got to read that again because I can't believe that that is something that someone is saying to do and that someone that's wanting to do it can see that that's probably not a great way to build a long-term sustainable business, but I get it because it seems like a shortcut. And so let me explain what it is. Basically, here's the business model. Go out there, scrape or find or hire someone to go locate popular memes that are being posted on social media taking those memes and then ripping off whatever the saying is on them that did real well. The one that got the most likes, the most favorites, like shares, all of that stuff, take that and then put it on a t-shirt, put it on a mug and upload it to Etsy and then just repeat that process. And they even said that there's some type of way, or maybe even a tool, a scraper that will go ahead and scrape all the popular memes. It'll pull them in and it will automatically put that text on a t-shirt and then upload them to Etsy. And I'm like, number one, I don't think Etsy would be cool with that. That's the first thing that you always have to ask yourself about anything like that. They're like, you're like, would Etsy be okay with me doing this? Does it seem like I'm trying to I don't know, game the system, trying to shortcut the process. Is this really what Etsy was intended for? And the answer is probably no. Okay. The other thing is you're just throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. And okay, let's say that you get a couple that stick. Well, guess what? All you have now that's unique to you is some text on a shirt. That's all you have. 
you're not focusing on a niche. You're not focusing on a customer. You're not focusing on anything to build out a long-term business. If you're new to the channel, you're new to what I'm about and kind of like our, our model that we follow, it's all about building a brand that serves one type of customer. And the reason why is because we want to acquire a customer, get a customer. And then from there, we want to sell that customer more stuff, whether it's the same day, make our cart bigger, or we want to sell things down the line. We want to build a customer base. We want to build an email list. We want to be able to have someone want to come back to our shop. We want to have people that give us rave reviews where they're just they're so happy. They're so in love with our brand. They want to come back. They tell people about it. What model do you think is a better model to follow? The first one where you're just throwing crap at the wall and in this case, just random memes that could be trademarked, by the way. We don't know. Just slapping them up there. Would that be the better model or would the other one where you're going to spend the same amount of time really going in, creating listings, editing, you know, making sure that everything is optimized, at least you should be. And you're not really building anything that is an asset, anything that you're going to benefit in the future from, because all you're doing is trying to get that one-off sale. That's all that you're, and I'm not saying you, but I'm saying the person that's following this model. So anyone right now that is listening to this, if that's you, well, think about that. Anytime that you see a model that someone is promoting, that they're saying you should try, you need to ask yourself the question, is this something that number one is a long-term business that if I'm going to put the work and time in now, that it's, it's going to benefit me now, but in the future as well, is it something that can build momentum? And then the other simple question is, would Etsy be okay with this? Would I make Etsy's platform a better place if I put my brand or my products on their platform? That's a really important question to ask yourself. So I'm glad that this one student told me this because I wasn't aware of people just taking memes and then scraping them off the internet and then putting them on a t-shirt and slapping them up. Like I didn't, I didn't know that that was happening because I would never think to do that. Uh, but I'm glad that they brought it to my attention because then it allows me to bring it to your attention. And hopefully you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, Scott, I want, I want plan B. I want to build the brand. And if you do, we have a lot of resources here on the channel. Uh, I'll go ahead and link some, uh, some different resources in the, in the description. You can check them out, but let me know in the comments. Do you think that plan a scraping memes and slapping them up is a good model? Or do you think that building a brand is, I'd be curious, drop that in the comments and let me know. Hopefully it's uh, plan B and you're going to build a brand. Chris, a little bit of a rant. What'd you think? You agree with uh, plan A or plan B? I, I like I like plan B for build a brand, right? Plan B for the the double Bs. What you're really talking about there, Scott, and I remind me about the meme thing here in a second. But what you're really talking about is something you and I were used to refer to as the mom test back in the Amazon days, right? If my mom was Amazon, in this case Etsy, right? Would my mom be cool with what I'm doing? And if my mom came to me and said, hey, it looks like what you're doing is just scraping a bunch of stuff and posting it, that seems kind of weird, huh? That's when you start to run into an issue. Like if your mom would yell at you for it, you shouldn't be doing it. And you know that if you're just scraping a bunch of stuff off the internet, that your mom would be yelling at you for that. And she would say something like, Christopher, can't you be more original? Right? Something like that. Obviously, 
not that terribly. My mom doesn't sound like a Smurf or a Muppet, but either one of the, you know, with, with that out of the way, right. She would say something to that effect. Like Christopher, you're smarter than this. Christopher, you're better than this. Christopher, you can be more original than this. Shouldn't you be focusing your time? You're such a smart boy. Shouldn't you focus your time, energy, and effort on things that you actually own the rights to? And the answer is yes. And I would safely say in that situation that my mom is not always right, but in that case, she would be right. And so if if we think about it that way, if you know Etsy is that that voice of our mother or our, our moral compass, if you will, then something like that becomes immediately kind of an off-limits opportunity. And Scott, you you mentioned that they they said they were just going and scraping memes. Yeah, I'd have to go back and read the exact email, but yeah, it was. Uh, I believe that, uh, and there, there's ways to, to scrape things, right? I mean, you can scrape email addresses, Facebook friends, like all of that stuff. There's ways to do it. It's black hat, right? It's not legal. You're not supposed to be doing this, but yeah, I believe it's like someone built either a tool or a scraper that will go out and find popular memes, maybe, maybe memes that have gotten a thousand likes or a thousand shares, and then it pulls it in. And then from there, it'll take that and actually, uh, take the text off of, whatever the meme is, apply it to a shirt and, and, uh, and get it ready for upload, which is crazy to me. But I know that it's happening because we've been in this world for a long time as far as this, you know, online business world. And there's a lot of shady stuff going on out there, but that's what's happening. And it's, it's kind of sad because Etsy would not approve of that. I guarantee that. It's, it's a less obvious issue than, I don't know, putting Mickey mouse on your t-shirt, but memes are trademarkable and copyrightable, right? So they would fall under the IP protections of the copyright law. And in fact, there's actually a lawsuit going on right now over this exact issue uh, because somebody used, I believe it was dude with sign as the meme to promote their brand. And the guy happened to be licensing that to other people and noticed that a brand used it. And that is in court right now. And there's a really good possibility that he's going to walk away with a nice chunk of change from that deal because they took his meme as the meme and repurpose it for their own business use, much less using it and then selling it, right? They just put it up on a Facebook post. If you're then using it and selling it, you're liable the same way you would be if you were putting Mickey Mouse on your t-shirt or whatever the, you know, whatever the characters from the newest Disney Pixar movie are. It's a trademark or copyright violation. You, if you didn't create it, you shouldn't be selling it. And it's just, it's that simple. Yeah, no. I, I agree. And, uh, it's, it's something that's happening. So hopefully if you're watching this, maybe you're new to the channel, uh, then you're aware now and to just think through that. And also again, just to think about this, if you're going to put the work in the time and effort, do you want to put the time in for a one-off sale and then have to go find a new sale? Or would you rather find a customer sell them something and then be able to sell them something else in the future. Like, what one would you rather do? And I think I'm asking that question because I know what the answer is, but you want to be able to do the work, acquire a customer, and then be able to focus on creating more products that they would want to buy or that they would want to gift to other people. Because now you know that they came in on something that you created that's in this certain niche. And now, you know, okay, if I create more things in this niche, they're probably going to be interested in it. And there's a good chance they might want to buy it, whether it's now or whether it's next year, right? Fourth quarter comes around once a year, but it'll be back. It's coming back. 
And guess what? Now that we have all these customers and a lot of them are new customers, we've built up our, our customer base. Chances are we're probably going to do better next year, right? As we build, we get more momentum. We get a wider base of customers. We have more people that can talk about us, that can talk, you know, and give us reviews. There's more people that can come back and buy. So that's the big lesson here for anyone that is starting in, in any business, in any business, it is going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take grinding it out a little bit. But if you really want something that can last and that isn't going to be just finding that next customer, finding that next sale, it's, it's going to be hard. And I'm not saying you're not going to always be trying to find that next sale because you are, but you're also building an asset in the background by building a customer base. So just think about that. Guys, let me know in the comments and give this, uh, give this a little like or a little love if uh, you found this, this live. Uh, helpful. Uh, and leave a, leave us a little comment in there. What's, what's a big takeaway from today's live? I'd like to see that as well. And also, if you're new to the YouTube channel, if you want to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, you'll get more videos like this every Wednesday. And we do two videos every single week. Uh, so yeah, you'll get all that goodness there as well. So Chris, look like you had a question or something or an answer or you wanted to talk about you got you got me all kinds of fired up over here you're oh, talking about acquiring customers right and that brings this back to mind i know we keep going back to this flow chart but this i think is extremely important and bridget over on youtube asked or, or more stated but i'm going to take it as a question you know there's a lot of youtube gurus etsy gurus who are teaching an open general store and hitting all of the lucrative niches to find low competition and high searches that is the same thing as what you were just talking about scott chasing the trends why? Yes, low competition is fine, but eventually that competition will fill up. And if you have a store that sells everything under the sun, who will Etsy prefer in the search results? You, who sells bass fishing, baseball, and bobbleheads, or me, who just sells bass fishing. And they know that if they put my product in front of a bass fishing customer, any product in my store shows up in that search results for a bass fishing customer that there's a likelihood they're going to buy it. Etsy's algorithm does have personalization to it. And what are they going to do? They're going to look at all of the purchases that have happened in my store, the similar purchase behavior, all of those kinds of things. And they were going to put me in front of you. And they're going to continue to do that as I launch more products. And so even if you are going the general store approach, Scott, that to me is not any different than doing the trend chasing, right? Hey, this phrase is really hot right now. Let me go launch that because there's a bunch of people buying it. Yes short term, you can start to find a bunch of places where you are getting sales, but you lose out long term on the organic results. Because if somebody in that niche starts to create those similar products, they will outrank you because they will have higher conversion rates. They will have more repeat customers and Etsy knows that they will be more likely to purchase from that store. And so you can get some short-term gains that way. But if you're looking to build a long-term sustainable business that grows year over year without you having to chase your tail, going the niche-focused approach is much better, smarter, and a much wiser use of your time. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got one last thing that I want to, uh, that I want to share. It just came to me because I know a lot of people think that all the niches are taken and I need to find a niche that no one's really in or a low competition niche. And you know what? I used to think that as well. 
And then I started to, to think like this, do I want to go into a niche that is so narrow that there's not a lot of traffic? Yeah, I've got it all to myself or I've, I'm only sharing it with a few, but there's very little traffic. Or would I rather just go after some of these bigger niches, carve myself a little spot that I can be better or that I don't need all of the customers. I just need a small portion of the pie. So would you rather have a little bit of a bigger pie or a lot of the smaller pie? Like that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. So me personally, and I'll use the wedding niche, right? Like that's a massive, a massive market. There's a lot, it's only going to grow. People are not going to stop getting married, right? There's people that are, uh, that are going to want to buy certain things for the wedding, but not just the wedding, the lead up to the wedding, the after the wedding, the, uh, during the wedding, like there's all of these different times and you might say, yeah, but someone's already created pajamas for, uh, for all the bridesmaids, which is actually a huge, huge sub niche of the wedding market. I discovered this when I was doing some research for the one, two, three pod fast track crazy. There's one company, all they do is sell pajamas for weddings and they're crushing, like crushing it. So I'm looking at like, okay, can we carve out a, a small part of a big niche, be different? Yes, they might've already done pajamas, but they've already proven that, that pajamas are selling. So can I do something that is in that same realm? Can I do something that might be my own spin, my, my own creativity? Sure. And is it going to take a little bit of time to get some attention? Yes. But if I'm doing good marketing, there shouldn't be a reason why I can't get some of that traffic and start to slowly build, right? At least I know there's traffic, there's people searching. And it kind of kills me sometimes because people are like, Scott, I'm, uh, you know, I've got a great product. I've got great SEO, but I'm not getting a lot of traffic. And I'm like, okay, well, what kind of traffic are your competitors getting, well, they're doing pretty good. And I'm like, okay, what's pretty good. Well, they're selling five a day. That's not really that many. Right. And you might be thinking their traffic is a thousand per day. Maybe it is, but they're only converting five sales a day. Okay. Well, let's look at that. Or would you rather go, okay, there's a hundred thousand visitors a day that are searching for this thing. I just need a small portion of those people. I would much rather go after the bigger markets, the niches, and just carve out a sub niche. And then from there, I would still be able, because now I'm going to build momentum, right? I'm going to be able to, because I'm getting more reviews, I'm getting uh, my customer base built out. I'm getting, I'm getting known more in this space. Now I'm able to start adding on these little shoulder niches, right? Maybe I started with bridal parties and then I'm going to go in and do groomsmen. I'm going to add the groomsmen to it right? I'm going to go down that road. And then from there, I might do a bachelorette party, I might go down that road, right? So I can start to bolt these on as I grow, but I would much rather do that than go, I'm going to go after the smallest niche has very little, uh, you know, competition, but what we're not seeing is there's a there's very little traffic and we're all going to be fighting over that little bit of traffic. I'd rather fight over the, the bigger pie than the smaller pie personally. What's your thoughts you me, on that, Chris? You got me all kinds of hungry and thinking of examples over here, like tasty cake. You remember the tasty cake pies? Uh, you're an East coast person. Oh yeah. You probably remember tasty cakes. Uh, but the, the, the analogy that comes to mind, Scott is let's say it's, 
I don't know, 945 at night and you are hungry, like ravenously hungry. And the only thing you can think about is pizza, right? You're in New York City, so there's pizza a lot of different places. You know you're going to eat an entire pizza at some point. Is it better to go to a restaurant that you know has good pizza and order a pizza because you're going to eat the whole thing? Or is it better to walk in, buy a slice, walk down the street to another place, buy a slice, walk down the street, buy a slice, hope that the next place is open until you get to an entire pizza. Well, no one in their right mind would go through that strategy unless they're doing like a pizza tasting thing, right? If you just want to eat the pizza, you would sit down and you would eat the pizza until you are full. You wouldn't walk from store to store hoping that they're open, trying to buy it a piece at a time, unless you're weird or doing like a bar tour for pizza, right? The same exact logic applies. Not only is buying it slice by slice more expensive, same thing applies on the business side, right? If we're acquiring customers in different niches, every time we have to acquire a new customer, that costs us more money than it does to sell something to an existing customer. And so if we are constantly in the customer acquisition game or the pizza slice acquisition game, right? We are spending more money to do it. And we're not always sure that the pizza place is going to be open right? That niche might be a total bust. We might might have just wasted another 20 minutes and we're still hungry. And if we're in a niche that we know has demand, Scott, like the wedding niche, we know that there's demand there. Our question is just, how do we get our foot in the door to order the pizza before they close? And then I can figure out how to eat it. I can figure out how fast I have to eat it, right? I can take it one bite at a time. I can enjoy it. And I don't have to deal with all of the stress. What people get concerned with is they say, okay, I don't want to go into that niche because it's too competitive. The better question is, how can I find a way into this niche and then slowly start working my way into the more competitive aspects of this niche? I guarantee you that wedding store that sells wedding pajamas is going to start selling other wedding related things, right? So they found that wedding pajamas were an underserved sub niche. That's where they started. They said, we want to sell some wedding related stuff. Let's start right there. Now that they have a customer base, right? They sell bachelor party or bachelorette party stuff. Then they can sell wedding stuff. Maybe they sell divorce stuff. Who knows, right? They're going to have customers coming back, but they've gotten their foot in the door. And that's the biggest struggle that people have is they don't, they don't see how that's an opportunity because they see there's a lot of people selling here. So I'm just going to ignore this and move on. I'm going to look for the greener grass on the other side rather than, hey, if I water this just a little bit, this is going to be the nicest looking grass anywhere around. And people will discard niches because they see that there's other people doing well there. And then they'll go sell some random thing or they'll they'll revert to the scraping meme strategy instead of putting that same amount, literally, of time, energy, and effort into finding their entry point and then figuring out how to eat the rest of the pizza. Yeah, perfect. Now we're all hungry for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell who I'm does, a former fat kid? Is who it? doesn't who doesn't love a slice of pizza or a pie? You know, we're a whole pie. I mean, come on, let's face it. Rick's pizza, those pies, that's a one person pie. At least it is for me. All right, cool. And I feel uh, the same way about large pizzas. So yeah. <laughs> uh Dream Talking with Vicky says, Yes, I'm slicing that tarot pie. Yes, the tarot niche. Love it. All right, guys. That is going to wrap up this live. We have a big workshop that we're doing tomorrow, so we have to get ready. Got a lot of people showing up. If you are interested in joining us in the one, two, three pod 
Fast Track, which is going to be a full workshop, which is actually turning into now more of a course than anything, because we are going to be teaching this live in front of a live class. That's going to be the first time that we're going to be teaching it. It's probably going to be three, maybe even four hours. I don't know. It's going to take us as long as it takes to get through this material, but we're taking you through the entire process from choosing a niche to creating products to launching and everything in between. If you want to join us, head on over to brandcreators.com forward slash one, two, three, and uh, you can get all the information there. We are going to be in the future making this an on-demand class. It will be a little bit more expensive because, well, we are going to be adding more to this and it's going to be more than just a workshop. But if you are watching this and you are part of the live, we will see you there tomorrow. All right. And if not, go to brandcreators.com forward slash one, two, three, either get on the wait list or you can see the details if this is months in the future. All right. So guys, that's it. That is going to wrap it up as always. Take care, take action, have an awesome, amazing day. We'll see you right back here next episode. Take care guys.